This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Uh, it's only a good result if we, uh, if we win the next game, because you feel it's an opportunity missed with the chances we've, we've had. But then again, we're playing against a very good side. Uh, so, disappointed, but still a point is um, good. It's okay if you win the next one. We knew today, fair play to them. I think, you know, when they play with two, two centre midfield, um, midfielders at the back and still uh, defended as well as they do, uh, that just shows the quality they have as well. Yeah, it's a cup tie, so of course there'll be a few changes with, in the team, uh, but then uh, we just think about the Fulham game now. Uh, this point might be okay if we win that one, as I said. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ruining, maybe, a missed opportunity at the weekend. It's me, Ross. Welcome to Off The Ball on a Monday evening in lockdown with my special guests, Cam Roslan. Hello, Cam. Hello, Ross. Good weekend, Cam? Yes. Yeah. Now Same as got... any other day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like a, with a Y in it, yeah. Um Got two Leeds United fans on here. We'll try not to make the show too depressing, but hello, Nicholas Arnil. Hi, Ross. I see you're not wearing your United jersey. Oh, no, uh, no, no. I'm, I'm professional. Got my BFM top. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, Arvin Sidhu, along with his Marcello Bielsa gnome. Hello, everyone. Messi might be a bit unprofessional throwing punches, but we only practice fair play discussions here. So, no to Messi throwing punches. Tweet us, find us all on Twitter, or you can tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel out. It is TFIF on video. That's where we preview weekend games. Uh, all right, then. We heard Ole. Liverpool nil, Man United nil. Um, there's a problem at Liverpool. Let's start with them. Because no goals now in, in three games. One in their last four. Cam, as as a, a neutral, was it a spectacle? Because it was seriously built up in every every form of media. Yeah, which immediately made me think this is going to be a, bore, a boring match. It wasn't boring, uh, but yeah, nil nil. I, I, for me, I'm worrying if this is going to be the unthinkable that uh, the best team, one of the best teams I've ever seen, Liverpool does not win the league and this journeyman uh manchester united does but i i don't know what's going on at liverpool they look a little tired but i'm thinking that united actually are looking quite lean they're looking quite fit and i, I always gauge with luke shaw's body weight he's uh he's looking quite slim at the moment and that must must <laughs> he, must he mean that something good used- is going on he was probably United's man of the match. Um, Arvin, why aren't Liverpool scoring goals? What's wrong with the Fab Three? Yeah, I think it's 340 plus minutes they have. 348 minutes, but I'm not counting. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it's against, obviously United was, was always going to be a tough one, but you look at the games prior to that, Southampton, Newcastle, you would have think that they would have scored. They seem to have, they seem to have just missed a little bit of that, that expansiveness, them being really explosive, the way that we know how they play. Um, I think I feel that they miss Jordan Henderson a lot from midfield. Moving him to the back when you when you don't have him in midfield, that drive is missing. 
Uh, Diego Jota obviously is injured, so he doesn't give them that variety that they need. Uh, but but replying to what Cam said, um, it was it was okay. It was it was all right. It was entertaining, entertaining. But it was kind of like having a room and you painted it red and charcoal gray and you watched that paint dry because the expectation that we had for these two teams was way above and they just on the night it didn't seem to have delivered hopefully that pain kind of dries off by the time they play in the FA Cup so but Liverpool have have issues up front they need to sort it out um, and that has been their, their challenge defensively we all thought they'd be all over the place but they've kept clean sheets it's yeah. the attack that's not firing right now personally I thought it was an absorbing game but I'm hev- I, well, I am heavily emotionally in, uh, invested in the game shall we say <laughs> Nick- Nicholas Arnold um Ole, we heard him at the start saying, you know, a draw is only good if we follow that up and, and, and you know, with a win against Fulham. Are we, are we, are we seeing a, a wiser coach in the making here? Uh, he's been often described as a, what, a PE teacher and in social media. <laughs> is he coming good? Is the PE teacher coming good? First of all, uh, Ross, I want to add on to what Cameron, I really had to say. Uh, this game had been built up to the hilt. And, you know, for the second time, the biggest game of the season failed to deliver. Um, you know, we, we don't even have a VAR uh, uh, contentious decision to, 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 to debate about. You know, it was just a mundane goalless draw that produced very little goal mount action. And uh, I'm sure for United fans and Liverpool fans, yeah, perhaps the draw may have been sufficient, but for neutrals alike, it was almost borderlining on a ball fest. Um, and, you know, footballers have a duty as footballers, number one, and also as entertainers. As footballers, I think they earned their paycheck, but as entertainers, they did not. And this is the second game, you know, the, the Manchester City derby also failed to live up to expectations. Mm. It, was a, it was a nil-nil. So I think while footballers are out there to do a job, you know, it's their duty to entertain as well. And, you know, we expect to see more from big game matches like this. Okay, you, you, you say and that. Going uh, let, me, let, me, let me jump to, in there, Nick. To, to, let, let me jump in and say, um, who do you think was less entertaining? I think Liverpool was. I think the, the onus was on Liverpool. Uh, you know, I can only remember that Thiago but... shot that, that the Gea saved. That's yeah, it. exactly. Did Gea had barely anything to do right up till that point. And that was towards the end of the match. So, you know, the onus was on Liverpool considering the fact that they had not scored for that amount of minutes, which uh, Arvin mentioned. Uh, but, you know, they came up against a resolute uh, United defence who have now, you know, found the intended backline. You know, Bailly is there and he's struck up a wonderful uh, relationship uh, with, uh, with Lindelof, Maguire. Yesterday, it was Maguire and Lindelof and they were both immense one Bisaka as well, you know. I think there's a lot spoken about him uh, not contributing so much going forward, but yesterday he almost created um, the chance for, for Pogba. Okay. And going back to the mm. question about Ole, um, I think we no longer can address him as a PE teacher anymore, can we? Uh, just the fact that how he's made this transformation, it's not been easy for him, you know, uh, when he took over United. Uh, he came from a small club called Molder who wanted him back, you know, and then he was given a six-year contract. At, and, and that itself is so much weight on his shoulder, uh, especially, you know, when you represented the cup for such a long time. Uh, but, you know, fast forward three years, he's finally coming good. He has all the players at his disposal. He's got depth. And I think he's taken the club in the direction where it's supposed to be. 
All right, more more about Liverpool and United uh, as we go on because they're both in in midweek action. Let, let's let's carry on with the weekend's action. Leicester City for a while uh, moved up to second in the Premier League as, as they won a keenly contested encounter. This one was a a top four clash of sort of top six clash against Southampton. Um, what do you think of Leicester this season? Um, they're definitely one of the challengers, aren't they, Cam? Oh, absolutely. I, I've had the markdown as a, a potential uh, since the, well, not exactly the beginning. I think that yeah, any team from first to sixth could be a challenger this season, which is quite remarkable. And Leicester, it's a case of consistency and Leicester have had a blip, but it hasn't been that bigger dip as they saw at the end of last season. I think that they found a kind of consistency of sorts. Uh, Brendan Rogers, very, he's a very disciplined, he, he knows how to work these things. And I think they got a team that could really sneak in there. Although Man City now, surely, are the ones to beat. But I, I think that Leicester could pull it off. Yeah, they're, they're definitely in, in the running. Um, the, the star players, I'm looking at James Madison here, Arvin. He, he's kicking into form. And if you see his post-match interview, what a delightful chap he is. Uh, a total football fan, quoting Arshavin's goal and, and stuff like that. It, it's really refreshing to see. Yeah, it's refreshing to see that he followed protocols when it comes to celebrations for COVID <laughs> as well. He was yes. the only one yeah. on the weekend that said, guys, stay back, stay back. But yeah, they've got a lot of bright sparks, uh, Ross. Besides, uh, besides Madison, Yuri Tillemans is such a lovely player. Yeah. The way that he passes the ball. Uh, James Justin, Gareth Southgate was watching on, uh, on that game. He was there. He definitely has him in his view for the England squad. Harvey Barnes looked a constant threat at yeah. all times. And on top of that, um, they've got Soyuncu and Pereira coming back, guys that we knew were part of their back four. Um, if, if Leicester only had as good as a home form as they have away, yes, they won on the weekend. But if you look at their numbers, if they had won at least three more games at home, they'll be top of the table because their away form is absolutely incredible. So Brendan Rodgers, for me, really deserves a lot of credit for what he is doing right now. Uh, they have a slight concern from that game because Vardy had a slight thigh problem. But other than that, nothing but positives for Leicester right now. Yeah, uh, agreed. All right, let's let's look a little bit at Southampton. Um, they're, they're entertaining, but they perhaps are, are, are not as well stocked in terms of depth as, as Leicester City and, and all the other teams. Because... They obviously miss something, Nicholas Arnil, when Danny Ings isn't playing for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Che Adams is a reliable deputant, but he doesn't get enough goals as um, as uh, Danny Ings. And and think that's the problem with Southampton. You know, uh, they do have quality, but it's not enough to sustain them uh, throughout the season. Uh, you look at uh, Theo Walcott, who's also coming through right now, but perhaps he should be contributing a little bit more in terms of goals as well, uh, because he's primarily uh, a winger who can also operate as a striker. So when the reliance is too heavy on the likes of Danny Ings, then they fall short when he doesn't play. And I think that was the difference in the in this game. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, all right, uh, good win for Leicester. They well and truly in the race. It's such a close season, closest ever Premier League season, maybe. Uh, let's move on. And, and talk about the West London derby where it was uh, Fulham nil, Chelsea won. Um, you can almost hear the relief of Frank Lampard after the final whistle. It was a much needed win. It was uh, Frank Lampard's, the apple of Frank Lampard's eye, Mason Mount, who scored the only goal of the game. Uh, 
which throws Chelsea back into the reckoning, Cam Razlan. Yeah, well, no, well, no, no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, talk about inconsistency. Uh, this, I love this West London derby because it's, it's the one where Chelsea just don't even recognize that Fulham are a derby. <laughs> they don't even notice that they're there. Uh, but I, I was actually watching more Fulham mm. and and I I really kind of feel that they can survive. They they're 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 four points adrift now at the bottom, but I think they can pull it off. I think there's one team where the manager has really put his own imprint on the team. The uh the red card that went against them, that was a real Scott Parker diving tackle. And it was silly, right? It was it, yeah, brainless. but it's brainless, but they, they're trying so hard. But for Chelsea, the inconsistency, having Giroud there caused all sorts of trouble for the opposition. They must play Giroud, I think. But um, I don't know. I don't know what the hell this, this Chelsea is. Giroud, that's a great point. Um, Arvin, Frank Lampard resorted to the, to the old guard for this one. Uh, Werner and, and Havertz on the bench. We saw Rudiger come back in. Giroud starting. Um is it a case of using the squad more? Or is, it, is it a case of taking the flack off the German, the big money German signings? I think it'll be the third thing. I think honestly, till now, Frank Lampard doesn't know his best 11. For me, he doesn't because there were a lot of Chelsea fans over the weekend that were unhappy that he dropped Callum Hudson-Modoy, who's been playing really, really well. He brings him on later. Uh, Alan Hudson, I was reading a quote, said that, okay, yeah, you've got your three points, fine. It's your first win, I think, in seven. That's all great, but it's for the outlay that you have done and you're playing against a team who's down to 10 men for so long, they, they barely got over the line with that. I mean, it, it took Alfonso Ariela to punch the ball out. The first half, he did that, by the way. Second half, to do it for Mason Mount to kind of capitalize on that. So, yeah, I, Lampard will still have a lot of concerns because they're not firing the way that Roman Abramovich will definitely expect from his return on investment. And over on top of that, um, it's just it's just not clicking. You bring in Timo Werner, Timo Werner misses a, a glorious opportunity again. Uh, I thought Tiago Silva was really good at the back. Interesting story, Tiago Silva threw his shirt to a construction worker outside and now he might get banned for that because of COVID-related you're not supposed oh, to throw your shirt out. No. Exactly. Oh. But maybe Tago maybe Silva felt that the construction worker is doing a better job at building Chelsea up than, than Lampard's <laughs> doing. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. But, but in an overall sense, it's, it's three points, but it's barely deserving and not the, at the level that they expect Chelsea to be performing. I almost want to end, end, end it there because on, on that high note there. But we, we, we have to talk a little bit about Fulham. Coming into this, they were five games un, unbeaten. Uh, Scott Parker looks like he's building something. Uh, do you reckon they can escape Nicolas Arnold? Do they have a chance? Uh, they got to stop getting players sent off. Uh, yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's what's been uh, their catalyst of their, their uh, downfall so far. They've got three players sent off already this season, and that's the highest among any club. And uh, that's partially to Scott Parker's approach. You know, He wants them to be combative. He wants them to be in your face, robust. But sometimes it doesn't pay off like this sending off. Because I thought Fulham did. They, they matched Chelsea uh, until that sending off. And even then, they could have had a chance to snatch it. They could have scored uh, an opener. Uh, even Cavalero missed a great opportunity to find the net. Um, and that sending off ultimately took the sting out of their performance and yeah. ended up you know, coming home with nothing. So they just got to keep it disciplined. And I think they do have, they do have enough quality. 
Okay, I tell you what, we're going for a break. When we come back, we're going to put the focus on 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 Leeds United. Oh, look at their faces. You can't see it's radio. Um, back in a bit. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Off the ball on a Monday with me, Ross, along with uh, Cam, Nick and Arvin. Looking at Leeds United nil, Brighton one. I'm going to come to you first, Cam. It's a winless start to 2021 for Leeds United. What do you think has gone wrong? Well, uh, Bielsa teams invariably suffer in the second half of the season. And and uh, and I'd be interested to hear what uh, Arvin and Nicholas say. But the amount of effort that these players, who are not necessarily the best players in the world, have to put into the training and the 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 um, the speed with which they play, there's bound to be a, a a payoff at the end of the season. So maybe we're seeing the that second half drop happening earlier than usual. Maybe, maybe. Okay, Arvin, looking looking in depth at this game. Uh... Leeds fans must be quite worried because it was a home game. It was against Brighton. They didn't create much. They moved the, the ball slowly. It was lethargic. Um, painful for you to watch, was it? I don't know what was more painful, watching Leeds perform or the state of the Allen Road pitch because the state of the Allen Road pitch was I was coming to that worried. next. It was terrible, yeah, wasn't it? It looked like it, was a, it looked like a plough field. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a genuine concern. They haven't scored in three right now. Obviously, Spurs, uh, there was a chance that nothing was going to happen there. Against Crawley, against Brighton, you would think that the attacking interest that, that Leeds have, that they, they would score. They miss Calvin Phillips badly on the day because without him, Pascal Sturridge cannot play that central defensive midfield role. Uh, Bamford was starved of any possession. The only player that came out of anything for me, and I'm, I'm quite interested to see what Nick said, would, will say would be Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison was the only one trying. But you're right. If only he called that one in, eh? If exactly, only, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but but besides that, when like I said many times on these shows, lead season will be defined on games against Brighton, West Brom, Sheffield United, Burnley's. Those are the games that will be defined. And Bielsa came out and he said he is genuinely concerned. They have to turn it around. They've got ten days now till the next game against Newcastle. Then out of the FA Cup, but they have to sort it out sooner rather than later because it's concerning times right now. Yeah, and and also Nicholas Anil. The transfer window is open. Might Leeds even consider a foray into the market? I mean, can can they buy it? What, what, where would you reinforce this current Leeds side? I think a playmaker is missing. Um, like Aaron mentioned, whenever Calvin Phillips is not in the team, we, we are missing that creative spark. You know, Pablo Hernandez has also not played enough to exert his influence into the team. And so, a uh, creative play defensively, we've got enough power, but. Uh, they are all missing at this point. You know, uh, Luke Ailing still started as centre-back, you know, even though we had Diego Lorente, mm. who has only played one half, uh, I think so far, uh, Robin Cox, uh, you know, out of contention. So, uh, the back line for me, it, it will come through. We will have enough cover. But we do need that great uh, penetration to unlock defences. Because I think at this point, leads are becoming a bit too predictable. The opponents know that they're going to have the possession. But it's what they do with the possession that matters. And against Brighton, they really had the bulk of possession, but two chances. And, you know, they, they weren't even uh, uh, 
a big chances that the keeper had to to was stretched or anything like that. So it uh, the fear is that Leeds will become a predictable team and that uh, opponents will allow them to have possession but you know hit them on the break where they're so vulnerable as evidence in in that goal where Ben White was allowed to stride uh, almost 40 yards to ultimately set up the winner. So um a lot of work to be done. They should dip into the market for at least uh, one player. Um, and um, Bielsa has got work on his hands. But uh, like Arvin mentioned, we've got 10 days until the next team. So hopefully something can be rectified by then. Yeah, I mean, let, let's not do Brighton injustice here. Brighton were the one playing the Leeds United football. I can remember a move involving Trossard, Mopé and, and Alexis McAllister. It was a flick and then it was a more pay shot. It was, it was good. And we've been saying since the start of this, the season, Cam, that, that Brighton actually play progressive, good progressive football, but they just haven't been getting the results. Uh, yeah, they were out leadsing leads. I, I think, though, that what uh, Arvin was saying earlier about the, or no, sorry, you Ross, said earlier about the sluggishness, I think that really worked into, played into the hands of uh, Brighton because, the Leeds game is about the speed, passing fast, moving forwards, and they were not playing their game, and then Brighton were able to capitalize on that. If Brighton can translate that, and they're doing quite oh, not so bad recently, if they can translate that moving forwards into success, but I, I don't know if I don't know if we can read too much into a success against this Leeds at this moment. Uh, Brighton's new Mopé has scored more league goals against Leeds United four in five games than against any other opponent in his career in England so far. Well played, Brighton. Well done, Graham Potter. Um, is Big Sam Allardyce about to pull off another one here? Is he? Is he? Wolves two, West Bromwich Albion three. Um, <laughs> I'm coming to you first. Ar- Arvin, you're beaming from ear to ear. Um, what, what's going on here? They were good. They were attacking. They were. I thought they deserved to win. The black country belongs to the baggies, isn't it? Because 10 years ago, they beat them 5-1 away. And now they've done it again. They've done it again. But no, I mean, Ross, it's one game. It's one game. Yes, uh, I, I thought on the day itself that they, 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 they played much, much better than Wolves. Wolves are in free fall. Just like Leeds, Wolves are, are really, really right now in free fall. It was a really entertaining encounter when you look at the goals. You had all kinds of goals. You had penalties. You had goals from free kicks. You had goals from throw-ins. You had goals from corners. Any potential outcome of a goal, it happened on that, on, on that derby. Uh, but he would be really, really glad to have got, got, that, uh, got that win. Uh, I was also reading another stat. They've got the oldest average age of a squad in the Premier League, about 29 years old. Uh, and they did it with arguably three of their best players out. Sam Johnston was COVID, uh, yeah. Matt Phillips, Conor yeah. Gallagher was not there. Uh, but he, he, he will be really happy with this. And there's nothing better to kickstart your season than a win against your local rivals. But again, it's, it's one game. So we just need to take it one at a time. Can Big Sam build on this? Are we seeing a big escape on the cards here, Cam? I, I just cannot see it. I think this is a, a, a battle too far, even for Sam Allardyce. This was, this was. Uh, I think that we can safely say that uh, Wolves are not going to win this year's Portuguese Primeira Liga title. <laughs> They are, as, as I've been said, in free fall. There's something terribly wrong going on there. But you've got to remember, this was two penalties that um, West Brom got. And if, if the, t- the player had not been brought down, would, that, would they have scored a goal? I'd really doubt it. 
And I don't think that West Brom are going to get that kind of luck all the time. They don't have a Lionel Messi at the front who can like, oh, we've got to foul that guy. No, I, this was a, a, a panic from Wolverhampton Wanderers helping uh, West Brom, who seriously can't survive, surely. The thing is, it, it must be counted as bonus points uh, and for Sam Allardyce because he, he is probably, as we talk right now, probably trying to secure a, a few signings, a cheapo signings that he, he knows are the journeymen required for the fight. So, yeah, I mean, they got to win. But what's worrying for Wolves here, Nick, is the fact that the two penalties given away come from probably your two most reliable players, right? Bowley and Connor Cody. You don't want them yeah. sliding in and giving away penalties. Yeah, I think Luno uh, Espiroso Sanchez got his... Uh, Santo. Tactics. Santo, sorry. Got his tactics wrong. Uh, he usually plays with a back three. Uh, this time it was a back four. Uh, did not bode well for him uh, because uh, they, not, they did not seem to be in sync with each other at all. And I look at the signings, uh, recent signing that Wolf has made, Nelson Samedo, you know, um, bright talent from Barcelona. He has yet to settle into the team and you know, his quality itself should be able to offer Wolves so much going forward and also in defence. Uh, that has not been the case at all for Wolves. And I think um, in, in midfield, they've sorely missing uh, Diego Jota. I think at this point, they're really regretting uh, selling him because, you know, he's injured, he's not been playing for Liverpool and, you know, their creative spark in midfield has just diminished. And without him, Ruben Neves... Uh, and Daniel Prudence have all not performed as well, you know, uh, Moutinho as well. All these players were, were so good last year, but what has happened to them? They've just uh, been, off, been off the mark. And I think it's that Jota influence uh, which has really been missing from this Wolves side. Yeah. So they do need reinforcements. I don't know where it's going to come from, uh, but they do need a player of Jota's ilk if they were to salvage something from this season. There's a stat that says uh, Jota, Raul Jimenez, and um, Doherty uh, contributed 53% of Wolverhampton Wanderers' goals last season. We'll leave you with that thought. Uh, and we go into another break. Stick with us. Back with Spurs and City. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Back on the Monday show, off the ball with me, Ross, along with Cam Raslan, Arvin Sidhu and Nicholas Arnil. Do tweet at BFM Radio or, or find us individually if you'd like to have a proper moan. Uh, also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And do check out our YouTube channel. It's TFIF on video. We preview weekend fixtures on that show. All right, then, uh, the two Sunday games, uh, the early one on Sunday was Sheffield United 1, Spurs 3. Spurs back in the race. Um, Ndombele's goal was especially nice. What do you think about Jose and Spurs, Cam? How, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, uh, did you watch the... the... Oh, what was the documentary called again? All or Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch that? It uh, and also the uh, there was a thing on him uh, Netflix about uh, about know, the managers. coaches. Yeah, yeah, about coaches. Managers. Yeah. Yes, yes. And 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 the thing that he stressed in that was was nothing nothing about tactics or whatnot. Was simply about making a connection with the players, and and that you all feel you're in this together. 
And I think that there was something that I, I am surprised that he managed to, if he's managed to make that connection with Tottenham Hotspur, um, because they're so flash Harry and they, they, have, they sing their own tune, they go to do their own thing. But he seems to be doing that remarkably, uh, whilst at the same time putting shackles on Tottenham Hotspur when need be, parking the bus and being a hell of a boring uh, well, coach. When Spurs went one up, uh, social media exploded saying, oh, I'm going to tune out and tune back in in five minutes uh, before the end of the game because Spurs scored early. But uh, uh, sticking with, with Jose, Arvin, he makes and breaks players. You could argue that Della Ali, who was a fine number 10 before Jose came along, uh, even in England International and all that, was is is now what struggling for game time. But Tango Ndombele... He's he's come good. What a player he's become. He has. I think Jose employs that leadership style where he throws you a challenge and he really sees how you respond to it. And Tango Ndombele has responded to it. He came out a couple of weeks ago and said that Tango Ndombele struggles to complete 90, game, 90 minutes because he's just not suited. Physically, he's not suited. And look what Tango Ndombele does. He comes back and he plays more minutes. And what a nice lob of a goal that was. I mean, I didn't think he had it in his locker to do that, but it was it was such a good fight back after conceding from McGoldrick. Uh, but Dele Ali looks like he was on his way out. Another concerning thing for, for, for not maybe from Jose and Spurs, but from the players' perspective, is that much-celebrated Gareth Bale signing. Because again, looked at the stat, Gareth Bale has played two games in the last one, 11 months. One for Spurs, one for Real Madrid. And you can see there's a clip online where Jose is actually telling him in training, either buckle up and do better, or do you want to go back to Madrid and sit on the bench? Because that's what's going to happen. Gareth Bale is another one. The longer it goes on, like Dele Ali, that Gareth Bale is not involved in the game, you know it's not going to work for him at Spurs. So some, some of the players work. Guys like Ndombele, uh, his general like Hoiberg works. Some guys who don't work hard enough like Dele Ali and now looks like Bale doesn't work. So it's, it's a mixed bag that you get with Jose. Is there anything, Nicholas, I know we can say about Sheffield United? I mean, they had that 1-0 win against Newcastle the week before. And when, when McGoldrick scored, you thought, okay, maybe maybe a bit of fight. But it's, it's a bridge too far and, and they've left it too late now already, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the victory was against Newcastle uh, was because Newcastle were, were even poorer than Abject, that. Uh, yeah, Newcastle... <laughs> Newcastle are in an equally horrendous run at this point. And, you know, they got a lucky break, Sheffield. And when you come up against a team like Spurs, you cannot afford to defend like that. All three goals, apart from the Ndombele, which was a world-class uh, uh, goal, the other two goals, the first goal, Serge Aurier barely had to move when he directed his header. And the second goal, Harry Kane receives the ball 25 yards from goal. You had so many defenders there, but nobody bothers to come and try and close him down. And you know what Harry Kane has in his locker. He's not the type of uh, player who, who thrives of chances in the penalty box. He's a player which is equally deft and dangerous outside the box. And they gave him so much of time and space to execute that to perfection. Uh, and so if you continue to, to play like this, there is no way you're going to survive, uh, especially in the Premier League. Uh, Chris Wilder has done an amazing job for them uh, last season. Even back to the championship uh, because uh, me and Arvid knew all about Chris Wilder and Sheffield United yeah. and how they denied leads the chance to come back. They were amazing at that point. I thought they were even better than, than Norwich. Uh, and when they came to the Premier League uh, last season, it translated as well. They were so compact, they were so robust, they were physical in the right sense, and they had goals to boot with it. 
Uh, but this season, nothing has come off, and I think they are shooting for uh, relegation. Yeah, their buys haven't quite worked out. Big money buys as well. You look at Ryan Ryan Brewster. All right, unlucky Sheffield Spurs, well and truly in it because this is that kind of season. But Man City are looking ominous. Man City four, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, City have now moved up to second. They are undefeated in nine. They've won five in a row. And if they win their game in hand, Cam, they will take the top of the table. They're, they're looking really scary. That was a scary good performance. And and yet the thing is that the, the goals they scored, if you asked Sam Allardyce what would be his perfect winning mark, how would he like to score the goals? He would say corners, free kicks, crosses. <laughs> and, and that's what they did. But the the cross by De Bruyne. I was watching him. I was thinking he's a good player, but it's like he's not doing that great. Then suddenly he pulls off. I think one of the finest crosses into the box I've I've ever seen. Spectacular. And then uh, being able to have Raheem Sterling score a free kick. Not none of those mazy runs into the box, cutbacks. This was almost a journeyman uh, exercise. And Crystal Palace are not bad. They didn't play badly. No. But this was this was really scary good by a team which if they are now coming good at this point, it's it's their title. It's a different kind of Man City. It feels like a different kind of Man City. What one thing is they're not as swashbuckling. They seem to be more clinical. They're really tight at the back. Uh, if you had if you had John Stones in, in fantasy football, you captained him, Arvid, you'd be really happy because not only did he keep a clean sheet, he had two goals. John Stones, way. 20, 21 points. John Stones brought 21 points wow. for a single player in the fantasy. But yeah, uh, to echo what Cam said, Crystal Palace didn't play bad, I agree. But they didn't have a single shot on target. They couldn't because City... And this is a testament to when you have great managers, and that's what Pep Guardiola is. He's a great manager. He identified something that was not working. He got Ruben Diaz back. He got Ruben Diaz in. He got Johnstones to sort out his personal issues. And they are the most impressive structure that they have in place right now. That was Kevin De Bruyne's 100th assist. Yeah. That's just, that's just absolutely Crazy. madness. <laughs> absolutely madness. So in that sense, I, I, what, what they're doing right now... Uh, in that sense, John Stones has scored more goals than Liverpool and Leeds in 2021. Liverpool and Leeds haven't scored goals in 2021, so John Stones has got more goals than them. So, defences win you, uh, goals win you games, defences wins you leagues, and that's the motto that Pep Guardiola is going with, right? Preseason favourites for the title were, I think, Liverpool, hot number one, City, a pretty hot number two. Would you put City ahead of Liverpool now, Nicholas Arnold? Based on current form, you have to you have to say that, right? Uh, they're just quietly going about their business, you know, uh, and they've been so uh, effective and and deadly about about uh, their business. You know, it's just been amazing. I think patience has also been a key to Guardiola's uh, yeah. uh, management uh, of of City. You know, you look at Stones when he signed in 2016; he was the second uh, world's most expensive defender, but he did not uh, find his form immediately with City. You know, he had a lot of issues. Uh, he was beset with injuries as well. But uh, Guardiola kept the faith with him. And five years on, he's beginning to show his true colours as a central defender. And uh, that has been the biggest issue with City last season. We knew all about their attacking prowess going forward. But at the back line, they had Fernandinho, which had to uh, deputise uh, for most parts of the season. But now they've got two able uh, centre-backs. 
and I look at Ilke Gundogan. For me, he's been one of the biggest transformation in the city side. Yeah. When he signed uh, in 2016 as well, you know, two big major injuries, but City kept the faith with him. You know, sent him for uh, rehabilitation in Abu Dhabi and then in New York. And I read an article in New York Times, you know, about him detailing his own personal struggles because he had to go through this rehabilitation all by himself. Mm. Uh, but he had the support of City, you know. Eventually, they took him to Barcelona and he underwent a rehab over there. And then when the time was right, Guardiola brought him back into the team. And after that, he had another long-term injury as well. But now he seems to be back and he seems to be back in full flow. So, you know, trust and faith and patience have paid off. And this is the result of, of uh, how City have been going about their business so far. Yeah, the citizens are, are looking ominous at present. All right, we didn't quite have enough time to mention West Ham won Burnley nil. Uh, Mikel Antonio with the goal. That win pushes West Ham into the top 10. They're in ninth, thanks to that win. All right, that's your weekend's football. There are loads of games to talk about, but stay tuned for our Mesut Ozil tribute. That is after the break. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Cam, Arvin and Nick here looking at the midweek action. Uh, Arsenal and Newcastle, part two. Of course, they met in the FA Cup. Uh, last week. Uh, this one's a, a league fixture. And before we get into the game itself, Mesut Ozil announced his departure. In fact, he, he posted pictures of him on, on a private jet. He's off to Fenerbahce. He's finally severed ties with Arsenal. And, and you look at that and you also look at the way Arsene Wenger departed the club, Cam, and you think, not very well done. They're, they're, they're club legends, aren't they? Uh, well, Mesut Ozil is definitely a football legend. He's done good things with Arsenal. I don't think you'd ever be called a Arsenal legend, though. And they really did stick it out with Arsene Wenger for a good two, maybe three seasons longer than the fans were really asking for. So they they, they tried. But Mesut Ozil is... Um, I, I mean, Fenerbahce, are they paying? Are they going to be paying the same wages? They can't afford that, surely. He must be taking a big reduction in wages. Yeah, must must be. But he, you, you know, he, he's probably going to get a payoff from Arsenal. That was negotiated, I'm sure. Yeah. So, well, well, you know, good luck to them. Yeah, I mean, Mesut wasted a whole season practically on the sidelines. It, he was fit as well, Arvin. And a player like that, uh, come on, right? Should be playing. Yeah, he, he hasn't played since March last year. And that's absolutely crazy when you think of the fact that how much he was earning at the club. Uh, and a lot of times people have been unsure, is this been a, an Arteta Unai Emery decision or has it been a club decision uh, to not play Mesut Ozil? Obviously, we know a lot of what he does, um, good and also sometimes controversial outside the pitch and who he supports and the causes he supports. The man gives a lot to charity as well. So that's a good thing about Mesut Ozil. But this move works for everyone because Arsenal get him off the books. Obviously, he was not part of their plans. Mesut Ozil has got Turkish roots. He goes back. He goes to, to Turkey. He always wanted to play in Turkey. And he se seems to be a Fenerbahce fan since he was young. And Fenerbahce have got this history of signing players who were at one point really world-class. You look at the likes of Niklas Anelka that went there. Uh, you ask yourself the question, would, who else would have taken Mesut Ozil? Would, would, going back to Germany, would Bayern take him? Unlikely. Would mm. Borussia Dortmund take him? Unlikely. 
So it was either this or him saying the MLS. And I think it's a move that works for everyone. And all best to him because on his day, he's an absolute wizard and artist on the pitch. Yeah, you can see him being heroic there and, and they'll adore him. and so, Yeah, good luck, Mesut Ozil. All right, Arsenal in action against Newcastle at 4 a.m. on Tuesday. Gabriel Martinelli apparently might be fit. He's looking, he's one of these, these very promising Arsenal players, Nicolas Arnil. You add to that uh, uh, Smith Rowe and, and Saka. Uh, you can see where Arteta's going with this Arsenal. And to be honest... It's probably the perfect fixture, isn't it? Newcastle at home on a Monday night. Yeah, exactly. The player which I want to see most is Thomas Partey. He played uh, 25 yeah, minutes against yeah, yeah. Palace. He's back, yes. You know, uh, and when he's back in full flow, God knows what he can do to that Arsenal midfield, which has been missing that creative spark going forward. I think defensively, Ateta has uh, sorted out uh, that the problems. You know, they've kept four clean sheets in a row. So uh, it's time they look at how they're going to get the goals. And uh, Partey could be integral because, you know, he, he breaks up play and he can also supply that pass that starts off the attacking move. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe will most likely start as well. Uh, but looking at the Arsenal attacking uh, lineup, you know, there's so many players that have yet to step up. And I think this is the this is a great chance for them to start, you know, uh, mm. the likes of Aubameyang, the likes of Lacazette, you know, William, I think he's been now frozen out there as well. I, I, I read a few articles online. He's not even going to make the bench by the looks of it. Um, and so, uh, Eddie and Katia may get some, some game time as well. So, it'll be interesting to see how many goals Arsenal can find against this struggling Newcastle side. Yeah, all right. That one's a 4 a.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Uh, 2 a.m. on Wednesday is West Ham against West Brom. Two sides coming off wins at the weekend. Um, the Hammers under Moyes, well, we've already given Moyes credit for that. But can the Baggies make it two wins in a row as Allardyce returns to an old haunt, Cam? Maybe, maybe. Uh, against West Ham, if they, uh, I was going to say they take them on the break, but I mean West Brom doesn't really have that capability. But perhaps I think that uh, you've got two real masters here, Moyes against Allardyce. It'll be uh, a fascinating, uh, not necessarily thrilling match, but uh, you know, yeah, perhaps West Brom could get something. A slow burner. We'll, we'll we'll file that one on the slow burner. West Ham, West Brom. Tuesday two. We move on. Leicester against Chelsea is Wednesday at four fifteen. This is probably the most attractive tie uh, in midweek, Arvin. Um, Leicester, you'd expect will 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 knock on. They're in good form at the moment. This is bigger for probably for Frank Lampard and Chelsea, isn't it? Yeah. When you look at the way, I mean, when you look at the transfer window, what happened? One team is going for the Premier League title by the looks of it and one team is trying to get into the top four. And you wouldn't have think it would have been the way that it is right now because Leicester are, are, are flying really high. Uh, like I said earlier, their home form, they, they got the win over the weekend. They need to try and maintain that again. Uh, they're doing what they do best. I mean, they're flying under the radar. They, there's a sense of maturity that they want to avoid what happened last season. When they, at the turn of the year, they dropped off. They dropped off and, and then they didn't qualify for the Champions League. Uh, but again, when you look at What's going to happen here if, if Vardy is fit and you've got Thiago Silva, who at his age is struggles to play two games in, in uh, two games in three days? Will, Ch- will Lampard start Thiago Silva, which is his best defender? Because you've got Vardy, 
who's got pace to burn and that will just really, really get past Diego Silva. But there's a lot of things that, that Lampas need to, needs to sort out. Does Reese James come in back in for, for Aspilicueta? Uh, is it Zuma? Is it Rudiger? Rudiger seems to have a, a new lease of life when at one point he didn't seem to be able to even get a game off the subs bench. So Lampard has to sort out his lineup. On and on the other hand, uh, Brendan Rodgers knows what his best lineup is. Yeah, Tomori looks like he's, he's on his way to Milan as well. Uh, yep. um, all right, that one is uh, Wednesday, 4.15, Leicester against Chelsea. Uh, Man City against Aston Villa is actually slated for Thursday, 2 a.m. Aston Villa, uh, we all know, Nick, uh, COVID outbreak. I was reading Tyrone Mings came out of isolation on Sunday. Uh, the, the, the training ground, Bodymore Heath, is, is set to reopen this week, the training centre. So hopefully this match will go ahead. I mean, you're coming out of COVID and you're facing a city side who we've already described as looking ominous. Yeah, uh, the writing's on the wall for them, uh, isn't it? Um, they, had, they had a break uh, because the game against Everton was postponed. But it remains to be seen how many players would actually uh, be fit or be eligible to uh, take the field should, should they have enough. Um, I, I still think uh, it will be extremely tough to come up against uh, the City side, even if they have a full-strength squad, which I don't think they would. So for me, if this game takes place, it's a perfect opportunity for uh, City to rack up another three points. Yeah. For sure. All right. If it does go ahead, it's Thursday, 2 a.m. that one. Fulham against Man United is Thursday at 4.15 Ole said the draw against Liverpool will be worthwhile if they can go and get a three points uh, next time out. And the next time out is Fulham away. Fulham smarting after that loss at the weekend, Arvin. How do you see this one going? Fulham will be tight. Fulham, Fulham have got more structure now. Uh, and they've got a completely new back, back four, to be honest. And Georgie Manderson has come in. Dorsin Adarabayo, uh, a youngster from City, has come in and done well. So it's going to be tight. It's definitely going to be tight. But United, uh, and I expect them to rotate. I expect Cavani to start. Will, will Donny van der Beek be given another opportunity to shine? A lot of Man United fans are looking for that. Telles maybe might come in for, for Luke Shaw. This is an opportunity because United have enough strength of depth to get through this. Don't expect them to blow Fulham away because Fulham have, have not won games, but they've been able to draw a lot of games late recently and kind of tighten up shop. But United still on the day itself, quality will, will come through. Expect United to just just nick it. It's like one of those. Yeah, I expect rotation because with Liverpool coming up at the weekend as well, you've got to be thinking that long term at least. And Rashford and Fernandes really could do with the rest. Um, not just a minute off or something. Fulham Man United then is Thursday 4.15. Liverpool versus Burnley is a chance, Cam. For Liverpool to break this three-game scoring duck that they're currently on, will they do it? Well, you know, the, the, unfortunately, it's not Newcastle. At this point, anything <laughs> would want to meet Newcastle. That's a guaranteed uh, goals and points for you. But Burnley, yeah, they've got, I mean, they have all the quality. They have all the, the abilities. Burnley, uh, good, actually, you know, Sean Dyche, very good. Uh, they, sh- they could... Uh, be a, um, they could be a bump in the road for them, but surely, come on! If they, if they have, if they mean anything this season, they have to do it now. Mm. They they're on a blip at the moment, Nicholas Arnil, uh, the, the champions. But I mean, you, you massive injuries. The fact that you're playing two two central midfielders against Man United that doesn't help, and all that. And the current 
financial climate, Liverpool are frugal. They're not going to go and splash money out. Um, but do you feel they, they need to go and make a signing to, to win, to retain the title? Or do you think they've got enough? I think they've got enough. I think they've got quality in uh, every department. Um, with regards to central defense, you know, uh, Virgil van Dijk, uh, van Dijk is back in, in in training. You know, he's in rehab, so the road to recovery is there. You know, Lovren is also alongside him, so I, I don't imagine uh, that they will be out for too long. And besides, Fabinho for me has been amazing as as centre back. You know, even yeah. when these two come back, I think the partnership should be between Fabinho and and Van Dijk. You know, because Fabinho. It's just been uh, absolutely immense uh, for them. Uh, going forward, there are there are issues uh, for Liverpool, which we have discussed earlier in the show. I think this could be a tricky uh, test for Liverpool. Really coming into this game, you know, having not scored, uh, facing a Burnley side who will not make it easy for you. We saw that uh, uh, in the game against United. You know, you needed a deflection, a deflection uh, uh, for for United to get all three points. And I think we know how Burnley will set up. They will be tight. They will be compact. They will be physical. Um, and Liverpool, you know, coming into this game. Uh, right after the, the intense uh, draw against United. It'll be interesting to see how they recover and if they can impose themselves against this very physical Burnley uh, side. Yeah, absolutely. You know Sean Dyche is going to set it up there with two lines of, of players. That's it. And the goalie. Uh, all right, that's the midweek action. Hope you're all enthralled, enthused enough to, to watch it. We're done. So I'm going to say thank you to Kamraslan. Thank you, Ross. Uh, thanks to Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Do take care. And thanks, Nicholas Arnil. Cheers, Ross. Yeah, everybody, have a great, safe week indoors. Speak to you on Friday. Bye now. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.